Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is our friend Garrett. Hi, Garrett. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And we all just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. And Matt's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so this is uh, set 30-some years after uh, the original Ghostbusters. And it stars the daughter of Egon Spingler, who was played by the late Harold Ramis, and... Her two kids, played by Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace. And they are uh, living in some sort of urban environment. I don't know whether it's New York City, Chicago, somewhere else. And uh, they um, go to Egon's farm in rural Oklahoma because he has just died. And I guess willed them his farmhouse. And there are some strange goings on out there in small town rural Oklahoma. Uh, spirit spooks apparitions whatnot um so the kids start to uncover things and uh paul rudd is in this movie he, he <laughs> plays a, a a summer school teacher uh yeah so uh, ghost busting obviously uh, ensues uh, garrett what did you think of this so you're saying the movie titled ghostbusters has some ghost busting in it <laughs> yeah, yeah go figure i should say too real quick before i hand it over to garrett uh we are going to talk spoiler free about this movie uh for a little bit and then we'll do scores and then uh we're going to talk a little bit of uh, some spoilery stuff after that so i'm sorry garrett go, go ahead go ahead so i'm just going to start off with saying i really enjoyed this movie uh a lot more than i thought i was going to but with that being said, I'm first going to talk about all the things I didn't like. <laughs> so I'm not going to get too much into this because, you know, right after the movie talk, you know, just chit chatting with Matt and Ashley, I think they feel the same way. But uh, and I'll let them get more into it. Just at the beginning and kind of midway through the movie, you're really asking them just to get to the point. Like, uh, come on, come on. We, we kind of know where this is going. Just just get there. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting uh, but I, like I said, I think these guys will talk about that more. Um, I really didn't like the setting of the movie, the fact that it was out in rural Oklahoma and I might just be, uh, you know, Ghostbusters was one of my favorite things as a kid. And, you know, the, both the movies are set in New York and, uh, well, the city itself was almost one of the main characters of the movie just, the fact that this was in New York, the fact that uh, all these people were like the stakes were really high and the, the city played a prominent role in all of it. And then moving it out to rural Oklahoma, it's like, OK, you know, it's certainly important for the 10 people in this town. But OK, cool. Uh, it doesn't have quite the same feel. And I would say probably the biggest thing I didn't like about this movie, it has a very distinct the force awakens feel to it. So like watching the force awakens is like, okay, this is cool. Um, I've seen this movie before. I love this movie when I saw it 30 years ago, if I wanted to see that movie, I would just go watch that movie mm. and how this movie just kept going back to it. Even like the big reveals were the same as the, like, Oh yeah, I know that's Han Solo. Cool. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> But just get to your story. I, I've already seen this one. That's the stuff that I wasn't too thrilled about with this one. So I think I liked this movie the least of the three of us. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm that rare 
child that grew up in the 80s that was never a fan of Ghostbusters. Um, I'm still not a big fan. We saw it recently a few years ago, and I liked it, you know, a little better. But um, I feel like your your appreciation of this movie might depend on how much you love the original one, because this one does have a lot of callbacks to the original film, and it obviously has a lot of reverence for the original film. Um, so if you're not really into that first film, um, you may not be as into this movie. Um because, yeah, you're right. The plot is so predictable. I mean, right after the, that, the, there's kind of a big opening scene. And right after that, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. Um, there's no big secret to what's going on. Um, there aren't really any big twists. Um, yeah, you're just kind of waiting for it all to play out. And the waiting wasn't all that fun. There's, there's, there's some humor in it. But nothing like the original film. This this movie is, I felt much much more somber, and it's going for sentimentality that the original film really didn't. So yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy it so much. What did you think, Matt? <laughs> uh, so the first you know at least hour of this movie, uh, I felt myself kind of struggling to like it. Um, part of it is as we've already kind of been talking about here already uh, the. If you are familiar with Ghostbusters, so let me tell you, there's going to be, I think, two basic different types of people who go see this. And we saw a lot of families at the theater uh, last night when we saw it. And you're either going to be someone of a particular age who either saw Ghostbusters uh, when it came out in the theaters or you you know saw it on home video in the, in the intervening years when you were a kid or growing up or whatever. <laughs> and um, if you fall into that camp... Depending on how high your level of just fandom is for this, um, mine is, I guess, not as high as I thought it was. Um, but you're, you're, you might be watching this movie like I was and thinking, just, just get on with it. Like, um, <laughs> the, because you know what's going to happen. I mean, this, a lot of this movie is very, you know, it's, it's directed by, um, Ivan Reitman's son, uh, Jason Reitman. Ivan Reitman directed the original. And he directs it with the Spielbergian reverence. And the kids are finding, they're coming across these items and they're discovering uh, proton packs and these, you know, electron things and, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and um, the, the whole thing is just like, you know, again, if you're familiar with Ghostbusters, like I am, and I think the three, the three of us all are, you're just sitting there like, okay, this, this is, I'm glad the kids are, you know, finding this for the first time, but we know what's up. Can, can we please move this plot along? Um, now, if you are falling into the other type of basic, I think, camp of movie gore for this film, which is you're a kid now, you're younger, maybe you've seen the original Ghostbusters, maybe not. Uh, maybe this is your first exposure to it. Uh, then I think maybe this is actually going to, play better for you um this this might be like almost i was thinking to myself i might be too old for this movie in a way because maybe if you're a kid now maybe this will be like your your parts of this movie anyway will be kind of like your your goonies you know like you're like wow this is really neat um so yeah there's that um I did enjoy, and we'll talk about this more in the spoiler section, but uh, I, the last 10 or 15 minutes of the movie kind of saved it for me. Um, and 
they're the 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 kids though. If, uh, before that part happens, the, the the dialogue in this movie is very um, quippy and very just. I don't know. I think I leaned over to you, Garrett, at one point when Finn Wolfhard had spoken for I think the fifth or sixth time. Uh, I said, you know, is he going to talk like this the whole movie? <laughs> um, and everybody talks like this in, in, in the whole movie. Um, you know, uh, Carrie Coon, who plays the mom, Egon's daughter. She's just kind of this quippy mom. Um, I don't know. It, it, the, the kids all, uh, the kids all, and the, and the whole family talks in a weird way. I don't know whether they're trying to sound like Egon. Like, but I don't know. It just didn't, that part didn't work for me. I'm going to toss it back to you, Garrett. So um, now I'm going to get to the parts that I, I really enjoyed about the movie. Because like I said, I, I did really like it. Uh, so we we all talked about the slow pacing at the beginning. And the part of that which didn't bother me too, I think this is where I divert from Matt and Ashley a little more, is the movie was funny enough and the actors were charming enough that it, it at least made it so entertaining in that part where you're like, okay, get to it. Um, I, you know, Paul Rudd is as charming as Paul Rudd always is in this movie. Uh, and I was really, 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 and this is my first movie I've seen her in. So tell correct me if I, like, I think she's newish, but McKenna Gray, who plays Phoebe, uh, she kind of stole the show for me. Uh, it was very quippy, and um, I mean, her personality is yes, she's, she is essentially Egon as an eleven-year-old girl, and uh, I thought just the sheer dryness of her humor and her very direct way of talking, I really enjoyed it, and so uh, give kudos to her. Plus. Uh, I noticed this in the credits. Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler because we stayed the entire credits to watch the two post-credit scenes in this. So stay the entire time if you really want to enjoy this movie. But uh, she wrote uh, the song uh, as the credits are playing. That I, I noticed that and I go, oh, well, this, uh, she's probably older than 11. That's just how old she is in the movie. But I'm like, that's a very talented young lady. I I really, really like that. And uh, I know I'm a sucker for this, and you guys can make fun of me as much as you want. But when movies give me those nostalgic callbacks and they're doing it rapid fire like this movie did, I'm a sucker for it every time. I enjoy The Force Awakens, even though I know what's going to happen and I've seen the movie. I love Ready Player One. I mean, it's all like, yeah, just keep throwing stuff at me that you know I like. <laughs> and I'm just going to go, yeah, please give it to me. I like this. And yes, I really en- I enjoyed it. Well, I agree with you that the, the saving grace for this movie was, for me, was the performances. Because you're right, even during that slow period as it's building up, um, yeah, you have Paul Rudd, you have McKenna Grace, who I thought was charming as well, and um, really, you know, hit the nail on the head when it came to playing the granddaughter of Egon. Um, she was she was really good. So yeah, just the you know the appeal of the actors was enough to to keep it from being completely boring for me. But um, yeah, you know, I, I disagree about the ending a little bit. It, it's building up. It builds up to something that is obviously going to happen. And then when it happened, it was a bit of a letdown for me, kind of a dud. 
But um, there are things I didn't understand that happened in this movie or weren't happening. Like, you know, so Carrie Coon, the mom, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get, I mean, okay. So she, they, they, they decide to stay in Oklahoma when they get there. Initially, the kids think it's just going to be for a little bit, but then she says, no, we're staying. Um, yeah, what's she going to do for work? What? Yeah. What's she going to do for work? What yeah, did she do? For I was her? wondering. I was wondering what it is she's doing. Now, you could argue, look, she's just inherited her, you know, her dead father's house. Maybe she's just taking time to go through stuff, but, uh, you know, like literally and emotionally. But, um, I, I don't know. I was, I was wondering that too. Like, okay, what, what is she doing? Is she, is she going to work or whatever? She's going on dates with Paul Rudd. Which you can't fault her for, but um, <laughs> there's they have a date scene that I don't know. I felt was really awkward, and maybe it was supposed to be, but it also just didn't quite have the chemistry I thought it needed to. All right, so Ashley, what would be your score for this movie out of ten? So I'm going to give it a five point five. Uh, Get right. I'll go a seven. All right, and I will give it a six. So our score is a six point two. And it is on the tomato meter. It's a it's one of those divided movies. So critics give it a, a fresh sixty two percent. Audiences give it a ninety six percent. And just based on some things I've seen on social media, regular people going to see this movie seem to dig it. Um, critics, uh, you know, not as many critics do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so spoilers. Um, I wanted to just basically do a spoiler thing uh, uh, because of the ending. Which I know I like better than you did, Ashley. Yeah. Um, so the last like ten or fifteen minutes, the original three Ghostbusters show up: Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson. They come in to kind of save the day. They don't save it by themselves completely, but they help certainly. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was really great. I kind of got some chills. Um, those were quickly dissipated though by the fact that our theater, our audit- our IMAX auditorium was dead silent though when they showed up. <laughs> Because they showed up and I was thinking to myself, yes, yes. And then I looked around. I'm like, oh, maybe not. Yes, <laughs> maybe not. Okay. Um, and then they are joined by the spectral appearance of Egon. So, you know, Harold Ramis has been dead for seven years. Um, I have to say the special effects folks, I think, did a good job with Ghost Egon. I know, however, though, that uh, this has caused some dis- disconcertion among some moviegoers and some people find it ghoulish or in poor taste. Um, so your mileage may vary on that. Um, yeah, well, the the original Ghostbusters, you know, showing up to save the day was inevitable and I was, you know, waiting for it to happen. And then it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. When it did finally happen, it was just kind of awkwardly done, I thought, and just kind of a, a dud. I mean, in the original film, you know, they had this energy to them and um, they were goofy and funny and there was, it was a lot, just a lot of fun. And here, I don't know, obviously they're older, but I don't even think they moved from the spot where they showed up at. I mean, they just kind of stood there and then they sat down. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. But, uh, but it, there just wasn't that energy. And I thought the the quippiness was not, they just weren't very funny I don't know. It, was, it seemed inevitable and then kind of, yeah, blah. What'd you think, Eric? Well, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I know it's hard to take actors who are 
of that age and then put them back into an action role because uh, yeah they just they're, they're not nearly as agile it's <laughs> i keep bringing up star wars but it was like when star wars brought back billy d williams and yeah all he could really do was sit in the millennium falcon because <laughs> he's 80 years old that's what you your knees aren't quite the same as what they were <laughs> but i all right since we're in spoilers here i freaking love the ending when they all right i I know it's kind of cliche to have the exact same uh, villain as the first movie, but when Gozer appeared and then ripped the yellow peanut M&M in half, like, that was awesome. The yellow peanut M&M? That's the the voice actor who does the yellow peanut M&M. Is the same <laughs> oh, what is his name? I forgot his name. He's an Academy Award winner. I can't think of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was sort of a build up. His character was sort of built up, and then I think purposely just immediately eviscerated. So yeah, he, he, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll look up his name. Go ahead, Garrett. And uh, my wife and I went and looked up who played Gozer, and it was pure CGI. So uh, that was just so cool how they how you had the. I mean, it was such a menacing villain. And so when the ending came and, yeah, these are children who are trying to stop this god because, hey, what do you say if someone asked you if you're a god? But um, anyway, you did need to have someone step in and be the hero. And, all right, as we've been saying this whole movie, there was nothing to practice how it's going to go. You knew that we're going to see these guys there there was no way this movie was building up and you know there was a phone call to dan Aykroyd and like oh okay so you guys are going to come in all right i get it but i to disagree with ashley i thought they did a good job um bill murray did his classic bill murray like hey i'm flirting with you but i'm really talking smack and i thought that was very funny uh and yeah they they kicked gozer's ass again yeah, no, I, I I love that 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 whole last that whole climactic scene just saved the movie for me. Um, now that said, Gary, you referenced the Dan Aykroyd appearance earlier in the film, maybe midway through. Uh, that was awful. Uh, that I was really worried because, um, you know, the, the McKenna Grace character and, and the Finn Wolfhard's characters get arrested at one point. They're in jail. She asks for a phone call. She has the Ghostbusters number written down because they were watching Ghostbusters clips on YouTube, um, which gets very meta. But anyway, um, so she calls the number, which leads to this place where Dan Aykroyd's character's at. And he doesn't even know who he's talking with. He, he, he knows, obviously, he's talking with a kid because of the sound of her voice. But she doesn't say who she is until the call is like ending. But before that, he goes into this huge exposition dump, kind of catching you up on like what happened to Egon, like why he when he left New York City, what happened to Bill Murray's character and and and, and Ernie Hudson's characters, and it just um, it is so uh, it's so clunky. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, he doesn't know who he's talking to. Um, and he's just saying all of this. And I was really hoping, okay, I hope that's not the only time we see him. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't. Um, and I was really happy to see, like I said, the other, the other folks, you know, um, 
I remember when this movie was being filmed and there were articles being written about how um, they were really having to struggle to get Bill Murray on board. In fact, I mean, they were filming the movie and had not locked in, according to the articles anyway, had not locked in Bill Murray. I think Dan Aykroyd was really trying to to persuade him. So um, I could kind of see how they could do this movie without Bill Murray, um, you know, just have Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson show up at the end. But uh, I'm glad Bill Murray was there. Um, so well, I, I don't think uh, Harold Ramis got any money for this. They could have just CGI Bill Murray into it. <laughs> I don't know how that would have worked for somebody who's alive. <laughs> Because I do know that uh, that the the filmmakers did get apparently they say they got permission from the Harold Ramis estate to uh, to to have his likeness in there. So I think that was good. So did that work on you emotionally, having the ghost of? It did. The well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it, it uh, totally worked on me, and and I don't know how I feel about that um, because in general I'm not a fan of. Um, reanimating dead people for purposes of you know these types of films and money making stuff and whatever but you know it, i think it's sort of a and i don't know how they did it in this case but you know train has left the station i think on that um yeah yeah well it i don't know i didn't feel a lot during those scenes um obviously you know his granddaughter had, had never met him before um, and his daughter had a, they had a very, very much a strange relationship. And I don't know, it just didn't seem earned at, at the end that, that they were, you know, embracing and we were supposed to feel all this emotion. Well, again, you know, that's, think, I think a criticism you can level at the entire movie, but particularly that last part, which is, Who's the movie being made for? You know, I mean, yes, obviously movies are made for mass audiences. All right. But I think a good movie works best when it is also, it, there's a duality to it. It's, it's made for mass audiences, but it also works within its own universe and the own confines of, of, of it. And that's why I say, I don't know if this movie works as well in that regard. Um, because, you know, just, we'll talk about that scene. I think that scene works for the moviegoer, the nostalgic moviegoer who, you know, grew up with Ghostbusters in their lives. Does it work though for these characters who never met this guy and who have, some of them have held animus, you know, feelings, you know, toward them? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, I have to say, you know, I've never met either of my grandfathers and, um, if, if they showed up in a, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden in a ghostly manner, I, I, I would be, I, it would have an impact on me. Well, yeah, it goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. But any ghost that would show up to me would probably have an impact on <laughs> yes. me. So, uh, you know, um, yeah. So that's all I got to say, I guess, spoiler talk. Um, again, it's a 6.2 from us. Um, Go see it if you, I think, if you, sounds like something you would be affected by. I also think it's fine to, to skip it and watch it on home video. So. And I highly recommend, I really enjoyed it. Yes, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett highly recommends it. All right. All right. So thanks for joining us, Garrett. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. 
something strange. 